thewellnesscouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. Welcome to 100 Not Out, featuring your hosts, Dr. Damien Christoph and Marcus Pierce. Welcome to 100 Not Out, a weekly show dedicated to helping you master the art of aging well. My name is Marcus Pierce, and it gives me great pleasure to bring on the fabulous co-founder of The Wellness Couch and The Wellness Guys. He's my long-lost brother from another mother. Great to have you back in Australia, Dr. Damien Christoph. Hello, legend. Hello, legend. How are you? I'm flying. Welcome home. You've been on a trip. You've had a bit of quality time with Amber. Good to have you back on land. Oh, yeah. I had some great quality time. We went over to Asia, had uh, had some time over there, watched how people live over there. I'll tell you what, it's amazing people actually can live over there. It's just, uh, it's, it's, it's that's another podcast. It's <laughs> I'll tell you what. Now, whilst it's you're a, away. It's amazing. Whilst you're away having a bit of quality time, I had my in-laws, yeah. Jill and Rob Martin, up here. And I must give credit to my beautiful mother-in-law, Jill, because she shared the story with me of an incredible lady called Madame Suzelle Poole. Now, Dame, it must be said, we do get tagged quite a bit when stories of great longevity and exceptional lives hit social media, but I will be the yes. first to admit, great man, that I wasn't prepared for the viral popularity that has seen Madame Poole shoot to overnight internet sensation. I saw Kim Morrison commenting on Madame Poole. I saw uh, Kim's ballerina daughter, Taylor. I saw many of our Wellness Couch podcast listeners. We've got listeners including Shay Witten, Dan Monk, Samantha Jinx Butler. Shout outs to you three ladies. They'd all been commenting on the inspiration of Madame Suzelle Poole and hundreds of thousands of people from all around the world were doing exactly the same. In fact, Amo, the BBC did a two and a half minute piece on Madame Suzelle Poole and I don't think they even knew that her her story would be viewed over 24 million times on Facebook alone, have almost <laughs> half a million shares and a true legion of admirers all around the world. What is humorous about mm. this and beautiful all at the same time is that Madame Paul doesn't use the internet. She doesn't have an email address yet. She has become an internet sensation. I started dancing 70 years ago. That's right, seven decades as everybody says. Everybody thinks that ballet is a very short career. And I really thought that I was going to be finished in my 20s. And so now it seems amazing that I am still dancing at 77. Apparently people think I'm unusual. <laughs> I love children and I love them to enjoy ballet and I know some of them will not continue forever but I think ballet teaches more than just dance, it teaches them a respect for each other. For Miss Poole to teach us, she looks like it's like so easy but it really isn't. Well, she's just like a great dancer and someone that I can look up to and someone who like I want to be like when I'm older. No matter how young or old you are, you can still, you know, do the things that you love. She has been dancing for so long and she really inspires me. In London, during the war, we always went to the ballet and I always loved it. And I really wasn't very talented or the, the right build or, or anything. The main thing is that I had wonderful teachers. Ballet is my life. My husband was my life, but I don't have him. But he always encouraged me. 
He, he always thought I was a good dancer, and it's always been ballet. That's been my main love. I provide entertainment for them because they can't go out. I think they relate to me because I'm probably older than a lot of those people and I like doing it and I always try to take children along. I hope I give a message to the children. Life is too short not to do what you want to do. Whether it's painting or ballet or yoga, whatever they really love to do, it's never too late. So start doing what you love doing now. Joining us from Dallas where she teaches young ballerinas to this very day how to not only be great dancers but exceptional human beings, it is a very warm welcome to Madame Suzelle Poole. Madame Poole, thanks so much for joining us. Oh, thank you very much. It's wonderful to have you with us and it's been a, a real honour for you to join us. Um, you've been dancing for 70 years, seven decades and from what I can tell, from what I've learned about you and uh, watching your story on the BBC, not even Madame Paul thought that she would be dancing for seven decades. Can you tell us what you think has allowed you to do so, to have yeah. such a, a long career in the ballet? Well, from the beginning, I, I loved ballet and loved doing it, the discipline of it and the, the challenges of trying to always be better because you never achieve the, the end. And I always had the most wonderful teachers. In Canada, I started with Mildred Wixon, and she was very fine. And then I was with Betty Oliphant and Celia Franca, who were English and became uh, director and ballet mistress of the National Ballet of Canada. They did. And um, they were very wonderful teachers. And then I had teachers, all my teachers, my parents, and, and uh, with uh, all my life, I've had wonderful teachers to, to, do the, to do the technique of everything. And, and I always practiced, and I was, went very often to classes, six days a week and six hours a day, and um, it just always continued. And whenever I uh, was doing anything strange, like even when I crossed the ocean to go from Houston to London, to return to London, uh, I was born in England, um, I went to the squash court <laughs> to do a ballet bar up there until they told me the sea was too rough and I shouldn't go up there anymore. It was October. And whenever I was in any show, I always found a teacher nearby to practice. I always do a bar before I perform. And if I'm teaching little children who don't need a bar, I always do a little bar piers and warming up. And so it's just um, mainly the fact that I've had wonderful teachers all along. And Tatiana Semyanova, who, whose teacher was Matilda Shosinska, who danced for the Tsar of Russia. She was a prima ballerina as Soluta, where Madame um, made me her assistant. I was soloist for her Houston Ballet, and um, she taught me to teach, uh, to teach uh, children um, from... Seven to eleven, I used, to, and then I used to join her classes, and I used to teach her adult classes. I even taught uh, Debbie Allen and danced with her. Um, so 
that she was a wonderful teacher. And then I joined classes in London later, all professional classes um, from teachers from the Ballet Rambert, Brigitte Kelly, and others. And um, I joined the, the professional classes, which had dancers in the class who were in the Royal Ballet or all the other ballets in London, very high standard. And I, and um, always going to classes wherever I could. Yes, uh, that- it's amazing. Your your um, experience just continues to to grow. And what what I love about all of that, Madame, is that you've continued to have a teacher. You've always continued to have somebody who's helped you uh, continue to refine and to help you grow and to continue to be better. And I think that's one of the messages that we've uh, picked up throughout our whole podcast series over the last six years is that people continue to have people that they learn from throughout the whole of their life. It's a great lesson for people. One of my great friends, actually, um, her her brother's daughter, I know it's a bit of a long, a long you know, uh, kind of connection. Her name's Zoe Caverton. She's actually um, a beautiful beautiful ballet dancer and a ballerina and she's actually working in Florida um, at the Sarasota Ballet Company over there and she's doing a great job over there she got picked up over here in Australia but also you know to watch her continue to refine her craft and she's only I think she must be about 17 or 18 years old now uh, to see her improve you know she's training with the best and continuing to surround herself with the best people and, and that's obviously helped her out enormously too and she takes you know enormous inspiration from you and and, uh, and I know that uh, she's seen you before and she's watched, you know, the, the videos of you, Madame. And, and so your, your influence spans nations, not only on the Internet, but actually in, in real person. So thank you for doing what you do. But, you know, did she start? I know that there's a very high standard of, of, of the Australian ballet. So maybe she started there because they, I know that there's a very high standard. Yeah, yes, yeah, she did. She started over here and she travelled from the country to Melbourne. But we were always fascinated with uh, with how people um, continue to age well. And um, and, and I know that um, that when people are ageing well, they do things differently. You've, you're ageing beautifully and continuing to dance and maintaining your purpose in teaching and, and in ballet with, with, you know, teaching children and dancing yourself. Do, do you take particular note and care of your diet as well? Are you very um, mindful of the foods that you eat? Well, the thing is that I, I like to eat what is good for me. Um, and um, I, I like to have vegetables and greens and salads. And I, I like coffee and, and I like eggs and fish. And um, you know, when I was very young, I used to have steak and peas every night, but hardly ever have beef now. But um, but fish and um, that sort of thing, it's mostly protein and vegetables, which I enjoy. It's not a task for me because that's the sort of food I like to eat, avocados every day nearly. And it seems to be the right thing because I, I'm not on any medicine. I don't take anything except minerals and vitamins. And um, and I, and my ballet, I think, is a very good exercise. Ballet is the most wonderful exercise. It uses every part of the body, and it's to lovely music, and um, it is the most wonderful thing to do for children. I think all children should do two years of ballet, boys and girls. It's good discipline for them, wonderful for posture, 
and um, well, it doesn't matter if they're going to do anything with it professionally, but it gives a, back, a good, healthy background for for just going on with life. Helps everything, I think. Oh, there is so much wisdom in your response there, Madame Paul. You've spoken about the joys you have in the foods that you eat, which is incredibly important in our mind that people enjoy their food and it's not just a fuel but it's something to be enjoyed and um, your, your food intake sounds wonderful and I love that you just refer to how your activity um, levels keep you so well. You're, you're on no medication which is exceptional um, particularly at your age which is absolutely inspiring um, and, then, and the joy that you receive out of just the life that you live. I want to ask a question which, which no doubt seems... Uh, it's a hard question to ask, but I'm really fascinated in your answer. Um, there is so much, um, what's the word, so much that has gone so well in your life, but you have been at the center of it doing it so well. You also seem to have a very resilient, strong, optimistic um, approach to life. And, and our, I suppose, research and interviews and the rest would suggest that optimism often comes from challenge um, in life. Would you be care to share with us, you know, what has led to your optimism? Have you had major challenges in your life that um, you've really had to overcome to, that, that's allowed you to have that strength of will and, and what seems like an ironclad mindset that you have today? I don't, I don't know. It's a difficult question to answer, but of course I have had challenges. Uh, you know, I, I was uh, alone in London and and, and I resigned from a Montessori, wonderful Montessori teaching position so I could do ballet and the, the Montessori would have, would have had a, a wonderful stipend pension for life but I wanted to dance while I could. Uh, I had, I, as I explained, been a teacher but I thought that if I went only into teaching I wouldn't be able to dance anymore. I was about 26 and I thought I wouldn't have very many years left <laughs> To, to dance, to perform, so I'd better do the most of it. And I didn't actually dream that I would be dancing now at age 77, and, and quite well, apparently. Um, I lost my train of thought, but... That's so okay. You ask were just, me another yeah. question. I lost... lost my that's okay. You were just talking about the challenges that you that you had in terms of your teaching. You you gave up oh, yes. a, a well, safe and, job and for course. something that you truly oh, yes. loved. Of course, oh. yes, yes. The challenge that was one challenge. There've been challenges, of course, all through life. There are challenges. I don't know if I'm especially optimistic. And and one of the the one of the, the most difficult times of my life was losing my dear husband. And that was a few years, but and when he wasn't well, and and uh, to to get over that I, I was a very hard time for me. But um, but I just go on. I, I, people say, "Well, you're brave" or something, but I I don't think about that. I just go on with what I need to do, uh, and I have to keep my home nice, and I do my shopping and do everything and. And um, I, I love music. I love um, reading, and and um, I, I love children. I, I think that's really the most important thing in my life. And the fact that I can teach ballet to children, I want them to enjoy ballet because I do. And, and so I try to make them enjoy even the hard discipline, the difficult discipline. Um, to do things that they enjoy it as well, 
and, and that I really try to do with the children, and I think I'm quite successful with that. And I also, um, as a, I was a Montessori directress, as I explained. I was a headmistress in London and a principal of a school in Cape Town, South Africa, a Montessori school. And, and then, of course, um, here in America, I, I, I began. And there's another wonderful teacher I had for Montessori. My mother was a Montessorian. And, um, and we had a trainer from, from Holland. And there were only five of us on the course for two years, intensive course. And my mother was one of them. Uh, but um, there again, the children, I, I loved working with the children from two and a half to seven. And and I wrote, uh, we, I was told in my training that we need to have poems for children, rhyming poems, and they shouldn't be fantasy or violent. Or And I didn't like the ones that I knew, like Jack and Jill went up the hill, you know, that sort of political and a bit violent, or they were not correctly written. So I decided to write them myself. And the children liked them. <laughs> oh, well, we have to ask you then if and the children love them. And I'm, I'm going to just put it out there. A couple of weeks ago when I organized this interview, you were good enough to recite a poem for me. Now, we're going to pop in the show notes here, Madame Paul, a link uh, to where people can purchase your poetry. And I know you're very modest, but as a, as a parent of three children, I love your poetry. Um, and I'll also put a phone number if people aren't able to buy on Amazon where people can, can buy. But would you be kind enough, because you recited a beautiful poem to me just recently, would you be kind enough whilst we're on 100 Not Out to recite any poem you like to our audience? Well, may I recite two? I'll do that one I told you, but um, I, the first one I wrote... I won a golden award for them, um, oh. and it's for the, the three-year-olds. Pine, and I, the children like it. And I used to have a book on the table, and it was always being looked at, either by the little ones at the pictures or um, the older ones reading. And, and then later on, after I did enough for the children, my husband suggested writing stories and um, about... Uh, true stories or stories and so I used to do them about my husband um, doing the Pathfinder in Australia or the baboons in Africa or um, my grandfather in France and so it became like geography (laughs) very useful and the first one was um, tiny tabby kitten high up on the wall seemed so unhappy afraid that he might fall his muse seems so plaintive, not his usual purr. Would you like to get him down and gently stroke his fur? Well, that was the two-and-a-half-year-olds and three-year-olds. Beautiful. Uh, and then um, th- this is um, actually my favorite one, which I've memorized. It's true. Riding through the forests in the woods of Chantilly, My mother and her father, as happy as can be, they rode beneath the branches of great and wondrous trees. In France they ride their horses by gripping with their knees. One day they heard a loud sound and anguished cries of pain. They rode until they saw a buck struggling quite in vain. His antlers, big as branches, were tangled in the trees. He tried to get himself released, but nothing could ease. 
My mother held the horses. Her father climbed the tree. He broke the branches from the buck who ran away quite free. My grandfather came right down and mounted his dear horse. They cantered through the woods again into the fields of gorse. My mother told the story of her father dear and gone. He's so brave who saved the buck who would have died alone. Oh, yeah, that's, that's great. I love it. I'm going to play that to my kids over and over and over again, yeah. particularly at night time. Yeah. Beautiful voice, Absolutely. beautiful poetry voice. Since I'm talking to Australasia, um, I think some people would be interested to know uh, about my husband. Um, he, he lived in Australia, and he was in the Elizabethan um, Trust, and then he went to, and he was he was in Broken Hill. He actually worked in the mines, and then oh. um, he went to New Zealand, and he was in the New Zealand Opera Company. Wow. John Poole was his name, and, yeah. and he did a royal command performance for Her Majesty Queen Elizabeth in New Zealand, Anayo wow. Marsh, the Wyvern and the Unicorn. So people where you are might remember that, have seen him and heard oh, him. He had oh, a sure, yeah. uh, voice, uh, uh, lyric spinto. And when he returned to London, when he, had, when he wanted to join at British Actors' Equity, uh, he, he couldn't use the name John Poole anymore because there was a conductor called John Poole. So he became known as Jonathan Poole. So, um, but where you are, he would be known as John Poole, but everybody, even his mother ended up calling him Jonathan Poole and my mother too, Jonathan. <laughs> well, you, uh, you credit your husband, your late husband, uh, John Poole, as uh, one of your greatest inspirations and somebody who kept you on track and he also was probably your number one fan. He, he encouraged you a lot too to continue to do everything. How important do you think it is to have somebody that's um, always on your side and, and helping you um, achieve greatness like you do oh thank you oh he he was always he, well he told me i was the second best teacher in the world <laughs> <laughs> and what who was who is he going to give himself was the number the one first? gong is he <laughs> that's right so so somebody said now i'm the best <laughs> no he had a great sense of humor and children loved him no but he really did encourage me with everything um, he thought I was a good dancer, and he used to prepare music for me for my recitals, and I'm still using the music. I said, John, I want a uh, two-and-a-half-minute um, waltz. And he always had it all ready, and of course, and he even uh, encouraged me to and helped me be a good choreographer because I, I wasn't a good choreographer, and now, now I am. But he'd say, you know, you need to cover the space. Or you, and he'd say, children, have, make them have a smiling class. You know, he, he, he did everything to encourage. He was very understanding. And um, in the Drury Lane Theatre, we, we worked there together at times to prepare for auditions. Um, in London, I was very... Uh, very often used as a fairy godmother. I actually did um, in the in London uh, Cinderella pantomime, and John Inman was an ugly sister, and I was the fairy godmother. 
And he came into the wardrobe and I was having my tutu adjusted and he said, oh, look, two fairies in here together. <laughs> <laughs> I think if um, I think I've, I, I listen to your stories, Madame Paul, and I think I wish I had more awareness of the industry that you're in because from what I can tell, you've been a guest instructor at the Royal Ballet Dance Academy in Dallas for 11 years. You've told us many stories. You've performed, you've taught, you've lived all around the world, as you've said, South Africa, England. You've got a husband that's had a massive, your late husband had a massive influence in Australia and New Zealand and around the world. It's clear that you've accomplished so much in your industry and in your life. But I'd love to ask you now, as a teacher in her 70s, largely teaching children, a lot of people are concerned for this next generation you know, that are, are rising up in humanity. From what I can tell, you're really keen to share with your students a philosophy of life that goes beyond ballet. You have your students perform in nursing homes in your community. Um, it's more than just ballet, uh, clearly. Can you share where you, what you feel around legacy and, 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 and helping people, similar to what we spoke about at the beginning of this episode, but can you share why this is so important to you? Because it could be very easy for you to sit at home, reflect on your life, watch TV all day and just relax, but you clearly still have a fire in the belly that gets you up every day and, and to help those children become better people. Um, well, yes, the children, I really feel when you said help the children, I really feel they all need to listen to classical music, that they all listen to other kinds of music and they can keep that up, of course, that's the way of the world. But all children should be exposed to classical music. It's good for the soul and it will help them develop as human. That's such a beautiful um, uh, source of life, you know, Beethoven, Mozart, Zvorak, Chopin, to listen to that, expose them to it, expose them later on in life they can choose, but they should have that. And um, I don't know if I'm quite answering your question, but also in the nursing homes, I feel very grateful that I am physically fit and, and dancing for people who are so ill in wheelchairs and stuff. Um, and they relate to me because I'm their agent. And when I dance to my husband's voice, and I think a lot of them are widows in the audience, and so there's an affinity there. And they can see that it, you don't have to be to eat too much to be fit, you know, because I am not overweight, and so and I'm physically able to do all that. So I think it encourages them to do their exercises, and that's a help, too. Mm. And um, I got a nice compliment when the, uh, the last performance, the gentleman in the audience, one of the patients, came to me and he said, you give great happiness. And, of course, you know, the obvious thing I thought, well, you know, the joy of the dancing. He said, he explained, he said, to know that, that that sort of thing is done, seeing the performance that we did, shows that there are good things going on in the world because we hear of so many things which are not so good now, they're so upsetting. And and he said it gives us happiness to know that these things are going on. 
Oh, well, it's wonderful, did as I you say, that you're bringing... Thing? Yeah, you absolutely did answer the question. And really, what you're saying is that you do what you do to bring joy into people's lives, particularly when they feel that there's anything but joy around them. And it's an absolute... Um, it's humbling, it's inspiring to see um, how inspired you are at 77 to be living an incredible life. And we can't wait to speak with you again, Madame Poole, when you're 87, <laughs> 97, 107 uh, doing what you do. It's been an absolute joy to speak with you on behalf of Damien and myself and all the listeners like we wish all of our guests. Madame Poole, may the rest of your life truly be the best of your life. Oh, thank you very much. Thank you very much for all that you have said. Thank you very much. I'm honoured. Oh, our pleasure. Damo, thank you as always for joining us. Thank you, Marcus. You can find out more about thank Damo, you, folks, at uh, damienchristoph.com. Uh, for myself, go to marcuspierce.com.au. We would love to know what you've learned from Madame Paul on this episode. Best way to do that, go to facebook.com forward slash 100 not out or thewellnesscouch.com and check out the entire range of podcasts available on The Wellness Couch. Over 250 episodes of 100 Not Out and still going strong. We can't wait to come back with you next week on 100 Not Out. And until then, as always, continue to make the rest of your life the best of your life. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst The Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of The Wellness Couch podcasts.